Let's watch. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Raven's Watch. I am your host, David Lee Corbo, a.k.a. The Raven, and we have a super cool topic lined up for you today. It's something that I'm very interested in. Uh, I don't really know too much about it. I was just explaining to these guys that uh, there aren't many things that I'm not at least peripherally aware of, and this topic is at the edge of my periphery, Uh, and that topic would be Lilith, and everybody knows that uh, we're big into the Nephilim, uh, you know, the fallen, all of these uh, sort of biblical characters on this show. And so this is certainly a piece of the puzzle that we're going to uh, need to plug in to see the bigger picture. Uh, we are here with Reality Czars. Gentlemen, would you mind uh, introducing yourselves, letting the audience know where they can find you, plug in your socials, things of that nature? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We are the Reality Czars, Nate and Thomas. Uh, We delve into absolutely everything. Uh, There's some dudes working on a roof right next to me. So if you hear some weird fucking sounds, I I have no control over that right now. Uh, But you can find us on Rockfin, Spotify, all your podcatchers. Join our Telegram Telegram group and share spicy memes. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Uh, Thomas has a lot of really cool shit that he uh, can promote and has some fun stuff to talk about. Thomas is also known as the paranoid motherfucking American. Thomas, throw some socials, buddy. That's right. I'm the paranoid American. <laughs> My little QAnon cup. <laughs> uh, yeah, paranoidamerican.com, at paranoidamerican on Instagram. We also meet uh, at the docks after midnight on Wednesdays. So if anyone wants to come out and just hang and try and shoot Bigfoot and shoot at aliens, Dick Check in hand. Yeah, to go to go to the third bridge. Go to the third bridge after midnight, right at the end of the docks. We're all there. If it's your first night, you have to jerk up. <laughs> That's the rule. <laughs> I won't lie to you. You guys got me already. Nothing's better than a midnight hang on the dock, dick in hand. Consider <laughs> consider me there. Dick and docks is what we call it. Well, um, guys, let's get right into it. I I I'm really interested in this topic. Um, I have a dog shit um, version of it in my mind. It's like uh, Lilith was the queen of monsters. And that's about as far as we go until we hit the autism wall. And all of any other information is lost. It slips right through the net. I don't know anything else beyond that. I just know that uh, she plays a crucial role in sort of the damnation of humanity and the bringing of these entities into this realm. Uh, and if I'm totally wrong on that, you can tell me to shut the hell up and take it from here. Go ahead, guys. Shut the hell up. <laughs> uh, well, so I just wanted to preface this with, uh, I'm definitely not an expert at Lilith, but I've got an interesting thread that we can pull at and kind of figure out some some of the background. But Lilith is is probably, if you're into like Kabbalah and tarot and like ancient, like Sumerian and Babylonian, You'll probably hear some stuff that we say and be like, these idiots don't know what the hell they're talking about. And uh, and you got us. So we're going to just call it out early. Got us. We don't know what we're talking about. But uh, is this for kids? This is a kids show, right? We just no, this is definitely not for kids. Say whatever we want. You're going to edit it afterwards? You or what, are we live streaming on, on YouTube, children, or what? 
No, we're not. You can say whatever you want. You're just not allowed to talk about uh, injections and the thing that starts with the letter C. Only because I just got my uh, account striked against. Oh uh, well, uh, in that case, I'm going to do you a favor because the other, the word that I was going to say might have gotten you striked too. So we're going to call it thrill oxide. And if you go on Google okay. and search right, for thrill oxide, you'll you'll see what that's about. I got a documentary on it. So my my research into thrill oxide. Uh, wink wink that it started a few years ago and i was just gonna write like a silly comic about it and i i long story short i went all the way in and i basically was trying to pull apart what is all of this satanic like ritual torture like political magic stuff about specifically when it comes to uh man there's so many words it'll just get it flagged but like it's a letter of the alphabet they're anonymous things like that um, but there was like this big exception, right? Um, what was the latest movie, the the Sound of Freedom and the whole sort of like crowd of like, we're going to go and save the children. So there's some very specific components to this, specifically when it comes to like sacrifice and blood rituals and like eating things to get magic out of them. And I was just trying to figure out like, when did this actually start? When was the first instance when someone saw, uh, you know, like a, like an infant and was like, there's magic in that thing. And if we just do X, Y, and Z, then like it'll rain more and the crops will grow more. So that, that's kind of where it started from was like all these weird fertility rites and sacrificial rites. And I tied this all the way back as I could to the Stone Age and then slowly crept forward. And as I crept forward, there was this one specific thread that I started to pull at. So around 1700 to 2200 uh, BC, Babylon there becomes these references to like Marduk and Bel and specifically these gods, Lamashtu and Pazuzu and everyone that's seen exorcist, was it two or three? Um, that's the, that's the Dahmer one. The one that Dahmer liked the most had Pazuzu in it. And it's got like that gnarly little statue. Um, but, but Pazuzu in my opinion is where you kind of have to start when we start talking about Lilith. Uh, and that's because, and I'm, I'm looking at some of my, my notes here so I can be as accurate as possible because this, this stuff spreads its wings and gets really weird. So Lamashtu um, was related to Pazuzu and Lamashtu was a goddess that would kidnap babies and kill unborn children by tapping on the mother's stomach seven times. Um, and then people back in uh, Babylonian times, they would wear uh, all kinds of amulets. They had spells that were written out. They had these things called prayer bowls. Uh, which you would basically, or like an incantation bowl where you would draw um, like a goddess on it or a god and like write, you know, please don't take my children, please don't take my children, a big spiral and you'd go buried out in the yard. So in this, um, people were trying to protect themselves from the Mashtu and she kind of represented anything that could go wrong during pregnancy and childbirth. And as you can imagine in 2200 BC, there was a number of things that could go wrong and the infant mortality rate was fairly high. So they had all sorts of mythology and gods and rites that would try and help prevent, you know, any sort of problems to arise. So Lamashtu in this regard is sort of like, if anything goes wrong, it's her fault. And if it's her fault, then it's probably your fault because you did something to bring her on or you didn't pay her enough respect or your husband had a, you know, had like a wet dream one night and sorry, now, now you can't have kids anymore. So it so starts what, with Lamashtu. is it? Yeah, and there's so many different ways to say and pronounce it. Um, L-A-M-A-S-H-T-U is one of them. Uh, and then this, in my mind, Lamashtu and Pazuzu, this combination of them, they kind of join forces and amalgamate over time. And this eventually 
turns into Lilith. But I'm, I'm going to take a break here so we can start talking. Uh, so yeah, the whole Lamashtu thing is is really interesting. What what um is that a Sumerian thing? Um, so it's it's basically at the heart of like Abramic um Abramic religions uh, in general. But yeah, this is we're talking about Babylonian god, and by the time it becomes Lamashtu, it's already sort of been adapted over the years. Uh, the very first mention, um, I think it was twenty four hundred was the Ebla tablets and the Ebla tablets they mentioned for the I believe the one of the first times where they mentioned Dagon, Hada, El, Ashtar, Kamish, and Malik. Um, and and this is also where they list Dagon and Hada first before anyone else. And just because of that reason, we've interpreted, you know, over millennia that Dagon was basically like the head of these gods at some point might have just been alphabetical or something but that was the assumption um and then hadad uh, or hada which was the number two that becomes Baal hadad and then Baal hadad over uh, again lots of time and amalgamations just becomes Baal. so like the god in the in the bible where they say they're they're worshiping Baal or they're worshiping malik that's very likely this Baal hada um and malik and malik just kind of meant like king i believe just like Baal kind of meant king so that's that's the real origin. If you try to trace it back as close as possible, around 2400 BC, the Ebla tablets, and then from there, it just is like this long like evolution slash de-evolution process where many gods become fewer gods and fewer and fewer, all the way until you know the Phoenicians and Carthage falls to Rome, and then it's like over the next thousand years, all gods become one god. Man, that's really interesting. Uh, a lot of uh this topic that comes up a lot on this show and it's all because I pulled at one little thread where I seem to have found a connection between uh, Zeus and Baal. Oh and yeah. Big so, time. Yeah. So Baal was the, the King of storms or he was described as a King of storms. Zeus, obviously King of storms. Uh, they have everybody's when I describe this thinks I'm describing a, a trident. I'm not describing a trident. It's a three pronged object. Uh, on either end, there are three prongs and it's very short. It's, it's held with one hand and it's only, you know, the width of, uh, I don't know, like a football or something like that. That's what I see in the images. And I've seen images of Zeus holding that. And I, and I imagine that that is, you know, that kind of where we get the imagery of Zeus holding the lightning bolt. Um, and I've also seen Baal holding that as well, the same object. And so this thing seems to be, uh, maybe I'm late to the party and I probably am, but there is so much compelling evidence for all of these various deities throughout time. They're the same dudes. They're the same entities from the beginning of the story. Just like you said, their names evolve or devolve. They shorten, they hyphenate, they, they, you know, but there's always something at the root of the etymology of the name where, what was it? Uh, Baal Hadad was what you. Yeah. And, and you just mentioned Zeus and there's, there was another name for Zeus, which was Baal Zafir, I believe. And that was, had to do with like the Zephyr mountains or Zephyr cave. And that just basically meant the God of this area. And that area happened to be where Zeus was claimed to have been born. So that ball prefix uh, over time, like you're saying, like all gods be like all gods eventually become one God in monotheism. So the ball part is just like the great or the, or like the God of this area. So there was literally a God called like the God of this Zephyr cave area. And that was Zeus. Um, But because it started with ball, then all the other balls kind of got pushed into that. So balls of fear and ball Hadad 
as far as I'm aware, are were completely different gods. It was like saying God one and God two, but then they just kind of get merged together. Um, yeah, then there's there's a really easy explanation on how that merging happens. But uh, I want to let Nate get some dick jokes in here. Yeah, dick jokes. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, I have no dick joke to add to this, but just. Uh, yes, it all seems to absolutely come from all the same stories, and it's extremely fascinating. And like a little bit of research that I did, like a couple years ago, I really pissed some people off, and they called me a Gnostic goober because I was tying <laughs> together the idea that Yahweh or L was basically the same deity as like Saturn and Kronos, and people got fucking pissed off. Yep. Uh, but I mean, all of this stuff. So I guess I worship Saturn, I guess. Uh, um, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every single all of this stuff has like a very similar origin and it all seems to be coming out of like the Sumerian area. Well, here, here's a quick example. Have either of you guys um, familiar with Voltron? Yeah, you no know Voltron yeah. is right. The little robots that come together. Um, do you know what those little individual people's names are that come together to form Voltron or do you just know who Voltron is? Yeah, dude, I just know Voltron. Yeah. Right. Right. But that doesn't mean that Voltron's not an amalgamation of a bunch of different things. And if those, I thought you were going to tell me the mother, like the Voltron is is the Mosh too. And we've been all sacking. No, I'm just, but like the, the easy, the easiest explanation that I've come across that kind of clicked for me, uh, hopefully it clicks for someone else out there too. But Imagine that like me and Nate come from different sides of the country, which we actually do. He's, he's completely, you know, West coast, I'm complete East coast. So in, in ancient Sumeria or Babylon or wherever you want to take your pick, we might have our own God of death and people in my area might die for completely different reasons than people in Nate's area. So we're both like worshiping and have our own, you know, sacrifices and rights to kind of appease this God of death to prevent anything bad from happening to us. And then if we both meet up in, you know, Texas and we kind of like get into this little town and the town's like, okay, now let's decide who our God of death is. And it's going to have to do with like rattlesnakes and scorpions and and deserts and stuff maybe. And it won't really be compatible with Nate's concept of death or mine. And my concept of the death God won't be the same as Nate's concept of the death God. And on top of that, if he sees me worshiping, my death god and he's like what the hell are you doing man like if you don't worship to this other guy then we're all going to be screwed you know so then it's like there's all these arguments like no my my god is the right god for death or or enter anything you know of if if the god is for fertility or if the god is for you know protecting your children it's like it just gets so messy when 20 people from different regions all move to this new area and then like they're fighting over like the tiniest little minutiae so at a certain point it becomes just convenient for the state um, or like, you know, the city or the city state to be like, okay, guys, here's the death God. You know, it's Voltron. It's got a little bit of your guy. It's got a little bit of your guy. The three of them are going to come together and we're going to call it this new thing. And that's going to be all your guys's thing. So now when Nate prays to the death God and I pray to the death God and you pray to the death God, like we can all focus on this one amalgamation and I see my God in it and Nate sees his God in it. And then now, you do that again and now take 20 people from those cities that have already amalgamated their gods and bring them together. And they're like, crap, we got to do this all over again. You know, here's the new death God. And now it's like, it keeps building on top of that. And if you imagine if you started with a thousand gods and then end up with one God, bam, now you got Yahweh. 
and and from Yahweh, you got to pull back apart and get Bacchus and Dionysus and you know Apollo and Jupiter and everybody. Like they're all inside that one big thing that we kind of call God now. So and, and if I'm wrong, lightning strike me down right now. Dude, that would have been some right, shit bro. if that happened. That would have been, the, right. I would have been like, thanks for the episode, dude. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh it's like a fucked up game of, of telephone, except with gods, right? It just keeps getting passed down the line and keeps changing a little bit. Um it reminds me a lot of the way that uh what is it, the Haitians hid their belief system within Catholicism so yeah. that they weren't, you know, they were basically good practicing Catholics and no one would try to persecute them or, or push them for their belief system. But in reality throughout time and even like, yeah, every single one of them. And so, I mean, that was the whole adoption of saints and worshiping saints and idolatry and having their idols. Well, I, they don't like to call it that iconography. Uh, sorry, my, uh, my, uh, ortho bros out there. Uh, but I, <laughs> every single one of those to me, is just like a different, I had the word on the, I had tip of my tongue. Uh, it's been a long day. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, every single one of those to me is, um, it is just an adoption of different gods that have kind of been like um, archetypes that they've created and uh, made and kind of adopted and put into one religion. And it's fascinating to me um, because the whole idea, like, the more and more that I research religion and theology and I go back further and further, it doesn't make me doubt my religion because I still consider myself a Christian. Um, I just find myself instead of, because I used to literally pray to Yahweh um, and things like that, but I just pray now to the creator because I have these really long, like epic conversations with folks that are Buddhist that are, you know, all kinds of different, different religions. Um, And it, to me, it's fascinating all the commonalities that we all have in our major, like the major talking points of our religion. And to me, it is just one creator. And we've all just played this giant game of telephone and now we fight over it. And it's silly to me. And so does that make me less of a Christian? I don't think so, because my archetype is Jesus Christ. That's my, that's who my God is. That's who I worship. Uh, but I mean, I've heard compelling arguments that like, I don't know, uh, that Julius Caesar was Jesus. I've heard some interesting arguments that Muhammad was Jesus. I've heard some interesting arguments that like Buddha was Jesus and that we are all talking about one dude that lived. And if you want to get weird with like the history and how it was all overlapped and they're lying to us about our timelines. And I, I don't know, man, it's all fucking fascinating. And that's the whole, I guess, idea, too, of like Christ consciousness. And there's multiple Christs. And, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. Well, it is to, you know, there has to be a lot of forgiveness granted to people because like you just mentioned, our history has been demolished on, on such a grand scale. You know, the, the, the concept of resets, like civilization has been reset in, you know, uncountable number of times. Uh, we've lost so much in the process. The, burning of the library of Alexandria, uh, you know, so much history has been lost and there's just a lot of people trying to piece things together. I do want to ask you when, when it comes to these deities or these entities or, or however you want to label them, are you under the impression that it's strictly allegorical or that these were actual entities that have, or maybe do exist? Or is it a 
alchemical mixture where it's it, there's multiple layers to these things. They're both allegories as well as entities, as well as, you know, who knows things that are beyond our comprehension. Dude, the only answer for me is yes. All of that. <laughs> yes to all the above. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, man. It feels like, like I said, a giant game of telephone that like there was probably some giant fucking reset. I don't know if it has something to do with the pole shifting and there's some giant fucking cataclysm that like stopped humanity and it's fucking, you know, and there was a few psychopaths that lived or I don't even know if they were psychopaths at the time. Those were the people that just like lived. Maybe the people that were in charge and had some sort of technology and held out. And those are the people that have like occulted, I guess, maybe some of that technology now. And we're all just a bunch of peons. They think that they actually know the answers and maybe are in charge. And I, I honestly don't think that they are in charge. I feel like it's like an ant riding a bull. These like psychos. I listened to uh, an old interview with Matt LaCroix the other day, and he was talking about how, um, he thinks that all this weather manipulation is them trying to stop this giant cataclysm that is just on repeat. Like it happens every 12 to 15,000 years, right. With the whole pole shift and that they're trying to stop it from happening. Um, which is interesting. I don't think that they are going to be able to stop it, but it kind of humanity, like humanized some of these like psychopaths that are in charge. Like what if they, like, what if all these psychos, like even like the, I don't know the Rothschilds. What if they're good guys? They're trying to they're trying to stop this psycho, this crazy thing from happening. And like we just like they're doing a bunch of crazy fucking shit. But like they're just getting rich doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I don't know, man. I mean, is that what Illuminati really trying to do the right thing? Ones? Like, do they actually know the answers? Do they actually know what the fuck's going on? And we're just like, I don't know, dude. But. Um, I, th- I feel like all these different histories from all over the world, all these different religions are all just telling the same tale about this crazy cataclysm. We're fighting over who's right, but we're all right. And uh, maybe there are a couple people that actually know what happened, knew what happened, but I, d- I don't know, man. It's fucking interesting. But I do believe in like the paranormal. I do believe in like these entities and these higher power. And like I've, I've had these experiences in my life that were so real that I can't explain it away. Um, so to me, I've, I've had like, like just interventions in my life that have happened that I say is absolutely from God, like things that have happened in my life that if one thing had happened, it would, it would, I wouldn't be here right now, you know, or just like all these little things. And you, you can call that like, uh, coincidences or things like that and maybe i'm just you know uh keen to like mystical thinking or something but i i definitely believe in god absolutely now what is it i don't know nate do you have um any maybe a a story or two that you could share about what pushed you to believe this because yeah i'll if you want i'll go first i'll give you the abridged version because i'm also a believer in christ and there's a very specific reason for it i've always been sort of a nuts and bolts kind of guy. I need the information. I need to see. I've always been a conspiracy theorist. Probably it's been about 16 years now. And it was always information driven. Now, all that was, was just me seeing things that didn't make sense. And then somebody comes along with some information that does plug in nicely. And I go, would you look at that? And so religion was always a stretch for me. I was not raised religious. I didn't have a a church upbringing or anything of that nature. Uh, But what ends up happening to me is I, I have like these 
spots of experiences throughout my life where I see something or, you know, something unexplainable. But uh, if you've experienced anything like that, you might have the, the same experience where it doesn't really, it almost doesn't matter. You have a weird, unexplainable experience, but like life goes on. And if you can't explain it, you look at your, you know, if somebody experienced it with you, you shrug it off. And it's just kind of a fun story to tell sometimes, but mostly you forget about it. And so my life is kind of filled with those things. But then one day what ends up happening is um, my audience is, has has heard this, but I I love sharing it because I think it's my most important story. It's like a testimony, you know, and it, it kind of helps me to or helps me feel like I'm bringing people closer to God. So I moved to Vegas um, from New Jersey, pack everything in a small Elantra of my family, and we drive 42 hours to Las Vegas and we try to cut it out over there. And we are out there for maybe like eight months. And, you know, I have a job and we're kind of getting traction, but it doesn't feel like home. Right. But I'm struggling with this feeling of failure. I don't want to just throw the towel in because look what I've done. I've driven 42 hours across the country. I've got to really stick this out and see if we can. I hate to go home with my tail behind between my legs, you know. So what ends up happening is there's an illness in the family and it it's my wife's brother. We we have to go back to New Jersey. But truthfully, I was like, that was a what would you call those things were a flotation device. It was a lifesaver. And I didn't want to acknowledge it as that. So I, I, but I did use it to go back to New Jersey. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I'm happy this is happening. And that makes me feel guilty. So, you know, we land with the in-laws. They're wonderful people. They give us a place to crash before we get out on our feet about a month and a half, two months. But for that time, I am a shell of a man. Um, I'm not interacting with the in-laws. I'm barely there for my wife. I'm barely there for my son. And I guess I'm starting to suffer from like anxiety, depression, anger, you know, uh, but I'm not really good at reading that in myself. So what that manifested as was me sitting in a room playing Red Dead Redemption 2 every single day until we got our own apartment. And so it's a terrible situation. I'm just, I'm ba- I'm basically absent. And I don't think you can escape those sorts of things. I think when you drop the ball on that much of a level, the internal narrator, or let's even say God, lets you know, like, hey, dude, you're fucking, you suck. And you should be doing better. But instead you're playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and it's an awesome game and I get it. But right now you suck. You got bigger things to do and you're not doing them. So now enter this four night escapade where every day I'm in the room playing video games. And then, you know, I go to sleep on an air mattress and my son's on another air mattress. My wife's next to me. And the first night I wake up to somebody knocking and I pop up out of bed and it's like three in the morning. The hell's knocking at three in the morning. I go to the window. No one's there. I go, okay. I lay back down. And as soon as I drift off, somebody's knocking again. Now I'm freaked out because I realize, like, oh shit, nobody else in the house hears this. My wife isn't disturbed. There's nobody at the door every time I look. This is happening to me. Because, you know, I, I, I what did you say, a mystical mind or something like that? I think that way. So I, I pretty quickly I'm putting the shit together. I'm like, this is fucking spooky. So uh, it happens again. And now I'm on my phone till like four in the morning, five in the morning, six in the morning. The sun comes up. I go to work. I can't go back to sleep. The next night, and I keep it to myself, the next night, uh, something's pulling on my arm. I wake up and my arm's getting pulled. And I'm fucking freaked out, you know? But what do you do? There's nothing to do. You just kind of look around and you look at your phone and you go back to sleep. My arm gets pulled again. This time I tuck it under the blanket. So I fall asleep, my arm's under the blanket. Something pulls my leg. 
that's night number two, right? And I'm getting really fucking bothered. I'm getting really freaked out. I don't know what to do about it. I don't want to share it with anybody because I don't want to draw attention to it. Uh, night three rolls around and I have a nightmare um, about this kind of like jacked. He was kind of jacked a little bit. Um, skin that was like a leopard print, but it was gray and black. That was the color scheme of his skin. And his eyes were like bright red, like maraschino cherries. And he had uh, canines on the bottom that were overlapping the lip. All, all the dream was is me looking at this dude in a, in a room filled with black swirling smoke. And he's looking back at me and he's just heaving with rage. Like his chest is rising and dropping, rising and dropping. And so don't remember how that dream ends, but I know that I wake up in the morning and my wife tells me, man, I had a terrible nightmare last night where I looked over to you. This is my wife saying this. She looks over to me and there is this monster on my chest pinning me into the bed with glowing red eyes, but she can't move. She's never experienced sleep paralysis, but that's what she was describing to me. And I go, fuck, man, that's crazy. Like, I don't want to tell her <laughs> because now I've got a whole another problem. I don't want to worry my wife. I don't want to give this attention. I don't really know what the move is. So I'm just keeping my thoughts to myself. And then fast forward to the fourth night. Seemingly everything's good. I wake up in the morning to my wife waking me up and she's taking a video of my, my neck where you would take your fingers and check a pulse is throbbing. So I'm having like some kind of rough dream and she thinks it's so wild. She records it for like 15 seconds and then she wakes me up. And as I'm looking at the video, suddenly my son pops up and starts screaming from a nightmare about a monster with glowing red eyes. Never was religious, never had any of that. Prayed real hard to Jesus Christ, super hard to Jesus Christ because I need recourse. It's now affecting my family. And I, I, I like, I was so cornered and so unbelievably desperate and it changed everything. And, and let me tell you, it's, it's stuck with me to this day. That was maybe two years ago. Uh, everything stopped on a dime. And, and since then, I've had a lot of weird experiences uh, where I just throw homeboy's name around left and right. I'm like, in the name of Christ, get the fuck out of my house, like left and right. I have no problems doing that these days. Uh, but it changed the trajectory of, you know, how I looked at the world and how I conducted myself going forward for, for the past uh, two years. So, you know, I don't have I, I call it a blessing because without that information, I would have never maybe not never, but I, I, I wouldn't have likely gone in that direction. But I was shown some terrible shit and it changed things for me, you know, so uh, I think that that is my one anchor. It's like, I don't know a lot of things. I have a lot of ideas. I speculate on a lot of shit. This show is all about speculation. But one thing I know is I'm never going to deny the name of Christ because I would feel like a total dick, you know, like <laughs> dude stuck it out for me when I was super desperate. And then for me to just be like, yeah, I don't know, maybe he's just like an allegory or something like that. Like, I won't even I'm like, I don't know what he is, but is it's it's real in a sense that i can't comprehend you know so there's that's that's my testimony nate uh do you have anything like what pushed you into this realm of of being so sure uh that things are spiritual and yeah man uh, it's a, it's a fascinating dude thank you for sharing that that's a fucking awesome story dude that's fucking amazing um i mean i grew up it, like hyper religious dude like hyper religious my mom is like the most religious um and uh like to the point where i was like taught like to cast out demons when i was like a kid 
And um, like in tongues too, right? Like, the, the what's speaking that? In tongues. Yeah, I, I still speak in tongues to this day. Oh, um, uh, pi- pi- what's it called? Piscid? No, wait, that's a fish eater. Piscopalian. Uh, yeah, oh, glossa, glossa sailor. is what you're looking for. Pentecost. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the denomination. Yeah. yeah, I'm a flavor of Pentecostal Christians. So absolutely. Um, uh, probably some sort of evangelical. Um, uh, I don't like to necessarily label myself. I, I don't even use the word Christian anymore. I, I use the term Christ follower. Um, I like that. And, um, but for me, um, like I said, I was, I was born hyper, hyper, hyper religious. Uh, and, uh, from like, from the time I can remember being a little kid, I remember accepting Christ into my heart and having that conversation. And then just literally knowing he was with me at all times. And, um, and then as a teenager, I started doing all the drugs, all the drugs. And it started rebelling hard and went through like some pretty, pretty crazy atheist phases. Um, and I am trying to remember exactly what brought me back to Christ. I think it was mostly that I just become like a pretty hard leftist. I was like a socialist, um, anarchist, uh, that hated the fucking world, hated the society that I was in and things like that. And then I, I watched like leftism, like basically turn into, and I was a, I was a degenerate, right? Like I loved eating ass and doing Coke and stuff, but I was like, I was watching the world like really go gross. Like just really watching it like turn more and more disgusting. And um, my mom just kept inviting me back to church and trying to like bug me, get me back to church. And I just had these, I just started having these experiences with Jesus again. And, and I remember one thing like, it, okay, is as bad as an atheist as I was or whatever I was, I was, I would call myself an atheist. I would still talk to God every day. I would still pray every day, which I think made me a bad atheist. Uh, because like I had had so many experiences that like I knew God was there. I was just mad at him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and um, I guess I was mad at the God my mom had presented to me. I had to find God myself, that sort of thing. Um, but I'll tell you one story that I can that like nailed down, like absolutely Jesus is 100 percent real is I, I had a buddy that like so in like fourth grade, he he had cancer and. Um, like this kid had like fucked up cancer. He had a lung removed cancer. Um, and so now we're like in high school and I'm like a friend, like I'm a sophomore junior or something. And he's like, I think he's a junior too, like, whatever. And he, he was a dick. Like, I love the dude. He's he was one of my best friends, but he was a dick. Uh, and he always had this mindset. Like I could, Basically, I could die at any point, right? Since like fourth grade, he knew he was going to fucking die, right? So he just had this like YOLO kind of fucking mindset, which I was like a fucking psycho. So we had fun, dude. Like we would, dude, we'd like break in a house and we do anything. We do awful, terrible things because we were just like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Uh, lots of felonies, lots and lots of felonies as like young adolescents. And I remember one day I was over at his house and he just like, he had a big fucking jar of weed and he was like, do you want this? He like it was so out of fucking character and he was like being like really nice and shit and i was like what the fuck is your problem <laughs> and he was like being super hyper generous and shit and i was like what the fuck's wrong with you dude and then like his, like we would go to san francisco sometimes because he would have to go to because we lived up in northern california we but we lived more north than that and we ha- he'd have to go there like every six months to do like uh 
you know, to the hospitals down there to like make sure, you know, see how it was progressing and stuff. So he's had this for like over a decade. And I guess I found out that he was like, they told him like, you got like a month left. You got, you're on all these fucking meds. They're not making anything better. You're going to fucking die. You're dead. And um, so then he was just starting to act, you know, like a human. <laughs> he started to act more like a, a nice person because he was just like, you know, and uh, I brought him to church. Like my mom kept bugging us to take him to church. And so like we we went there and like my church is very hands on, like everybody, like the entire church, like just put their hands on him and just started praying for him, praying for him in tongues and stuff. And like the next week we went down to San Francisco down there together and he didn't have cancer anymore. It was just gone. It was absolutely fucking gone. And they had no goddamn, they had no explanation. They were just like, well, you were fucking dead and now you're not. And he's still alive. Crap. He's still alive today. He's a jackass. Is he still a dick? Always. Yeah. But like in a good way, he's yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, I, like to me, that was so fucking miraculous. So, and you know, and those things happen. Right. And so you can fucking try to explain that stuff away. And like, I'm sure the doctors did, they're not going to give any credit to Jesus, but I do. To me, like there was no physical explanation for that. Uh, I see Thomas right now. He's got one. He's got, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah. See, um, still on the fence. And and I get it, man. And I and I remember seeing wild shit. Like, you want to hear a wild one? I've never talked about this on the podcast at all. Um, I've never really talked about it outside of a church. I saw this person with a deformed arm that was about like six inches shorter than their other arm, and they sat there and prayed and fucking pulled their arm, and he had a normal arm. And I watched <laughs> this happen in front of me. And people will call me a liar, an idiot, a fuck, all the things. No, I don't even talk about it. <laughs> I watched this person's arm grow six inches and go from like emaciated to like bony, kind of like fucked up. To Did they pass the collection more. plate around like right after that? Buddy, that's not how my church was. I know there are churches like that, but like, no, man, no, they didn't. And it uh, plumped up like because I was thinking if you had if if I kind of did one of these jammies yeah, I, I, I might be able to screw my kid over and, and convince like him of something but i like, can't make it plump yeah. up Mm-mm, no it plumped it got plumped. It, it got hydrated <laughs> it, it hydrated right right before your eyes it got thick buddy it's it's one of those wild things i can't explain it i see thomas right now he's 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 bursting at the seams all right <laughs> well i mean because on on a certain level forgive me for tapping into the like nihilist middle school you know phase which you could probably relate to right but it's like great you know god came and fixed his arm proof proof of god proof of miracle who fucked up his arm (laughs) wasn't it the same dude isn't that me like breaking into your house and then like a week later bringing your shit back and being like hey dude i found your stuff and you're like oh my god thank you it's like i think for me the biggest one is actually like why this person and not someone else you know, there, there's always things like that. And I guess my biggest explanation for any of that stuff is this, that like this world is imperfect. This world is temporary. Um, like this suffering that people have here is temporary. Um, and like, this is all just kind of, and everyone absolutely has free will. Cause they say, why is there child murder? What, you know, things like that. And you're like, well, because God gave this, 
piece of shit free will and he chose to do with it as he did and i don't know man it's it's wild to me like the more and more that i know that this place is temporary the more and more that uh, like yes there's horrible things that happen here but it's kind of like uh i don't know it it matters less because to me we're going to eternity we're going to infinity we're going to uh like whatever god is whatever like I don't know, man. Infinity, whatever infinity is, that's where we're going. We're, we're the only thing that the only thing I'm upset with about that rant is that you skipped right over the ability to say and beyond. And I would have yeah. applauded you for that. I was like, is he gonna do? Are we going a little buzz? Is that what's about to happen here? I thought you were doing it. It would have been all right. Um, you know, speaking of why does God <laughs> fuck up this kid's arm in the first place? <laughs> um, why does God? create Lilith. What the, what is Lilith? Let's, let's get back to who this bitch is. Yeah, and I, and I feel, am I wrong in, in having animosity towards her? Because I feel like she's not a good, I think so. and it's just rumors that I'm dealing with, but I feel like she's not a good person. See, to me, before you answer that, cause Thomas has the right answer, but to me, she <laughs> is just the archetype of just kind of the hot, like we're slut shaming dude. Like, Sometimes yeah. there's just dirty birdies, dude. And like I appreciate the first it. like like dude, yeah, yeah choose the first yep. dirty bitch. You know what I mean? I'm like gonna name this damn episode that, like, the first slut. even like the first time I was like, Hey, I'm gonna come, and she was like, just keep going. Like, okay, you know what I mean? She's that girl. That girl is like <laughs> yeah. where you go, like, oh, I don't have a condom. She's like, All right, you know, and lets you raw dog, you know what <laughs> wait, I mean? Wait, wait, like, wait. I got to tell you, I have this little, I have a saying, right? When, whenever I see some sort of fuckery on the internet, you know, if I'm going through Twitter and it's showing me, I don't know, a bunch of people teaching kids how to be trans, I I call it Nephilim shit. That's what I call everything Mm -hmm. that's fucking corrupt and and shitty. I call it Nephilim shit. That's Lilith, bro. That would be Lilith, in my opinion. She'd be the one that's like, and this goes here. When, when I see uh, uh, ho shit from now on, when I see hoes being hoes, I gotta say, it's the spirit of Lilith. It's the spirit of Lilith. The first girl that ate my ass, that was some Lilith shit. (laughs) Yes. Right here, right now, this is uh, 100% a thing. Uh, Lilith shit is it. There's Nephilim shit, and that's just corrupt, evil bullshit. But things of the hoe variety, that's fucking Lilith shit, dude. That's Lilith shit, dude. And so that's where this archetype came. That's where this, like, explaining, like, if your girl's kind of a whore, and, and Adam got mad. So like Thomas is going to lay some details down, but like Adam was getting fucking pissed that his girl was like, dude, I remember the first time I got a blowjob by this girl that like, it was a fucking Olympic class blowjob. And like, I was appreciating. I was like, holy shit. But then I kept thinking, it was like, where did you learn that? Who taught you this shit? Like you're too <laughs> you're good. So at hungry. What the fuck? How many, how much practice do you have? Like, cause, don't get me wrong. Oh, this trainers. is fantastic. But I was like, God damn. Cause I like, I was coming in with the feels and I was like, this girl has had some serious practice. Like I'm not the first dick she sucked. Mm, and I kind of got upset. I had, that was kind of an, an Adam archetype that I was having at the time. And I should have chilled out and just been like Lilith, write it. You know, oh and so, all right, Thomas now drop some <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> this is actually a great intro. Cause it's going to get, we're going to get dirty birdie. Uh, as we go here that that's that's the best way to phrase it too 
So like um a, a couple here. Let's just let's get some of the like the fact stuff out of the way so we can get into the dirty birdie stuff. Yeah, get get the fucking information. Let's let's get past that so, and we'll get into the fun stuff. So there's a whole bunch of different word roots and gods and and they don't necessarily mean that it's all the exact same thing, but in the in the context of like gods whittling down into one god, let's just assume that it's all Lilith. So it, in Sumerian you've got Lil, Lilu, Lilitu, and in an Arcadian, you've got another archetype called Ardot Lili, and that roughly translated to like the perpetual maiden Lilith. So that's one of these aspects is that she can't ever get pregnant. Um, so she is the perpetual maiden. She's kind of like always going to be a virgin forever and ever, um, which also makes her this like perpetual maiden and this this desire of of like almost you know, elicit lust in a way, because again, there's nothing you can do with Lilith that would actually produce in any sort of reproduction uh, of like your own kind. It would just purely be for like the physical sensation or being lured in by the magic of it. So there's this one aspect of it. And because she's this perpetual maiden and can't give offspring, she becomes to represent other women who can't have offspring. Hence that whole like blaming it on Lilith if you can't get pregnant or blaming it on Lilith if you lose the pregnancy and just as far back as you want to go with that. So as they start making these depictions of the goddess, they they draw up Lilith as this uh, this female with like wings and she's flanked by owls and she's holding this little like onk uh, looking symbol. And she was also known to be the one that, that knew magic. Uh, she was known as the queen of the night. There's something called the Bernie relief from the 17th century BC that basically has her with, uh, like a human torso and a human head, but she's got wings and talons. Um, so this is this like reoccurring theme that owls represent that she would come in the middle of the night. And this also is where they would used to say that if your husband had a nocturnal emission, right? If he w- wakes up and there's a wet dream, it's because he was visited by Lilith during the night. And the, the most wild aspect of this, they actually found like divorce papers in the form of those little incantation bowls but it was like a divorce from a husband in a household to Lilith. And it was like, Lilith, I know you came in the middle of the night and, you know, gave me a wild ride, but you know, my wife's here and I've got kids. So, you know, please don't do that again. And this, you know, is the official divorce from you. And they would go and bury it in the yard. So like Lilith please, would, please she stop stealing my loads. anything sex related. Okay. All right. All right. Does this have any connection? I couldn't help but think about it while you were saying it, this imagery of the, the harpy. Yeah, and and in fact, dude, they would they would say that in um in Kabbalah they would say that um the letters of Lilith in like a gematria are equal to the same of Screech Kultov. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, and this is because Lilith would be known to screech as an owl, and and it was so loud and so high pitched that it would pierce your ears and it would drown out the prayers of the righteous. That was the way that it was kind of sound. So either that's just her making this horrible screech and drowning your ears out. And that's kind of the same thing as a harpy, right? That's, you know, stop harping on this. I should talk about that fucking succubus story later. Well, this will be good because we're going to describe the succubus first and then we can, Nate can tell us what she looked like firsthand. So, Wait, so this is, is, okay. All right. We got to remember that if we don't, we have to circle back. I have, no, he, he won't, yeah, he an won't hour forget, and a half. And at, at, once we get to an hour and a half, if we're not there, we got to fucking drop everything. I got to hear about what Nate <laughs> saw in Succubus. Or, or, or we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But go on, go on. So, okay. So, so this is like the, the concept of Lilith. And the other thing too is that the, the Lil 
they were known as like these wind demons and these wind gods. So again, here's that connection to like Zeus, right? That you were saying, oh, there's this Zeus connection. Yeah, hell yeah, there's a Zeus connection in Ball because they're all fertility gods. And even if you go into the Americas way back before there was potentially connection, unless, you know, Tartarian, ancient, whatever. But uh, even before there was that connection, there was still the same exact concept that the agricultural gods and the wind gods are the ones that you sacrifice offspring and like your, you know, your, your best stuff. Like that's where you go and you pour one out. You pour out the best one always for the agriculture gods. And that's just like a, a human thing. And then to backtrack a little bit, when you guys were talking about like the religion and everything, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be sold on like, yes, it's a hundred percent true. I don't know if it's a hundred percent allegorical, but I do know that it's so important that everyone in history has been spending all their time and effort and money and everything to making sure it doesn't get lost forever. So regardless of whether it's true or not, it's clearly important, has important information in it. Um, so, so that said, this is also Lilith is the origin of magic in general, the way that we kind of know it in, in our various, especially in Western culture, but it started with those Lilith bowls. So that was one of saying like, oh, I can actually communicate directly to this God using these like talisman and these incantation bowls. But then we talked about the, the Horish aspect, right? The Hora Babylon. Lilith is that original Hora Babylon. So the, the, the Babylon, you know, the Talmud, this is like uh, 350 AD or something. Um, Lilith takes on this extra set, right? It's this guy, it's Voltron that keeps forming. And now Voltron combines with five other and becomes like a super Voltron. So at, at this point, this like super Voltron Lilith, she also adapts the the concept of like the old crone and the old hag. So now she's not just the perpetual maiden in that she's like forever going to be a virgin and coming in the middle of the night to like seduce your husband. But now she's the perpetual maiden in that like evil stepmother sense, like can't have kids anymore. And now she's threatened by this new sense of like life that's coming through the kingdom. And through this, she grows these like this long hair. And it's actually known that Lilith brings on the female curse of long hair, sitting while peeing, and a passive role of serving as a pillow for her husband, uh, in parentheses, during sex. So those three things, long hair, you have to sit when you pee, and you basically have to be like the submissive one during sex. Those are all the curses that the Babylonians essentially attributed to Lilith. It's like, it's her fault, but sorry, sorry, ladies, got to grow your hair out, got to sit down when you pee. And there's all these very specific reasons as to why she gets blamed for this stuff. Is that related at all to, um, and this is probably a stretch, but this idea of um, the old hag, right, in your in your sleep paralysis experience, does that mean that the old hag is, is it's Lilith shit? Yeah, and, and also remember, even before the old hag archetype, Lilith was like the queen of the night. So if anything happens in the middle of the night, like all the spooky things that go on, anything unpredictable, that's Lilith at work because she's flanked by those owls. She can see at night. She's she's at home in the darkness versus during the daylight. So yeah, 100%, that crone and the old Lilith is the same thing. So let me ask you this, yeah. right? She seems like... Um, a good time in a lot of ways, right? There's a lot of uh, potentially redeeming qualities there. She's she likes to party, right? That's that's pretty clear. 
Uh, she's down for stuff. You could dump continuous loads in her and nothing bad's going to happen. What? Well, no, see that, that's yeah. where you might be wrong, dude. Yep. You're not, you're not the one dumping loads. She's dumping loads. She's on top every time, all the time she's Dumping loads to the, at me. to the point, dude, to the point where you're like, yo God, it's too much, bro. Like this, like we can't do this. It can't go on like this. I need something subservient. Otherwise I can't manage. So yeah, I mean, and, and and in a lot of ways too, if you like the Lilith there, right? Remember in the 90s or I don't know if I'm dating myself, like there was this big thing was like this Lilith bear and it was basically like a female empowerment Woodstock. Um, and the reason it's named after Lilith is because Lilith also comes to represent like that, that independent female empowerment where you don't need to be subservient to a man. And that's kind of, I mean, that's, that's where a lot of the stuff diverges because the concept of Adam telling God, Hey, Lilith is too much. She always wants to be on top. She's trying to do this dirty shit constantly. Like I just need a sweet girl that I can, you know, like settle down with. That's this concept of like, okay, well, now that I understand what you want, you don't want an equal. That's, but God's basically like, I made Lilith out of mud and I made you out of mud. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the homunculus. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, uh, you know, Lilith was a homunculus. Me oh, no, complaining about these class. like world class blowjobs was my Adam archetype. It was like kind of what I was saying. But like, once right. you actually like you grow up, you mature, you realize, you know, that whole like you want to fucking a Lilith in the sheets and an Eve in the streets kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, that's got to be a shirt. That has to be a shirt. And if I make that shirt, I'll cut you guys in on it. So is that really what's going on there? Is that Adam was like, this bitch is just too, she's too, like, I'm into her, but she's where did she learn it, this? Dog. Yeah, I mean, that whole story is that she was supposed to be uh, made equal to Adam. She was also made of mud. She was also made of the dust of the earth, like Adam was. And so she was like, yeah, so she was like an equal to him. But she was kind of like, I'm kind of the top dog. And so she was literally top dog. She was riding. She was getting on top and Adam wasn't digging that shit. And so Adam gets upset about it and he starts bitching to God and God kind of like kicks Lilith out. And that's when he makes that piece of, he makes Eve from a piece of his rib, from a piece of him to be a subservient mate to be, uh, you know, someone lower than Adam. And so Lilith is that archetype of like, like that's why women have used that as like, uh, like a female empowerment sort of thing, because she is like, she's the first feminist. She's the first whore. She's the first feminist. She's the first like sex positive. Like she's the first, like, no, I'm riding that dick. That's <laughs> wild because we're in this era right now where it's like people point to feminism as one of the main ingredients that led to the fall of the West or we're currently in free fall. Uh, and, you know, it, it reminds me of that idea that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no biblical scholar. Uh, I, I'm, I'm barely, you know, coherent enough to be able to, to read the Bible. It's like, I, every time I open it, I feel retarded because the language is, is so dense, but I know that there's this idea that in the end times, things are going to be uh, as the days of Noah and I know a lot of people kind of are attributing all of the, the kind of rise in paranormal experiences that, that are allegedly happening to that whole passage. But it's really interesting to think that even this, you know, we talked about before how all these entities and, and gods, they've been the same characters since the beginning. And 
the problems that we're experiencing right now are if you take a biblical lens or well i'm i'm assuming that lilith is is from an extra canonical source but this idea that that bitch has been causing these fucking the same problems since the beginning of time and right now like i just said we're looking at feminism as one of the key components to the fall of the west and that's lilith shit feminism that's is lilith, lilith shit yep Maybe I don't know. I don't know if I would go that far yet. I would. I would say that feminism was like Lilith was the original feminist, but to equate her with like the modern Western freaking Thomas, WBF we all know the or, fall of the West <laughs> is when the Nineteenth Amendment, when women got the vote. That's, that's when it all right. was downhill from there. And, and women <laughs> suffraging, yeah. So, so and and to put a, a feather in the top of this like historical Lilith, the the last and I guess most specific book written about her from ancient times. It was called the alphabet of Ben Sirah. And it was written between 700 and like a thousand AD. So like, you know, a while ago, uh, but, but re fairly recent in comparison to like ancient Sumerian texts. And he writes that Lilith was described as the first wife of Adam. And she was made from the same clay as Adam. So it made, Lilith the equal to Adam so that's part of the like you know that approach is like being an equal and on their honeymoon Lilith demanded to be on top and Adam didn't want her to be like it, it turns into this thing so out of frustration she gets off speaks the ineffable name of God and vanishes into thin air and that vanishing in the thin air is very literal in the original story and it's most likely a reference back to the original Lilith being like a wind god or a wind demon. So when she evaporates back into thin air, it's like she goes back into like the elements, back into this like magical essence as opposed to this like human form that can interact with other humans at that level. So that's kind of the last time we see Lilith. And, and at that moment, she becomes known as the whore of Babylon. She becomes known as a homewrecker because again, she comes in the middle of the night to, to screw with your man and sit on top. Uh, and then when Cain and Abel fought, it was about a discussion of Lilith. So that's what actually caused that original conflict between Cain and Abel that caused the first murder. It's all surrounding around Lilith and the, and the drama that she kind of brought with her. So are you telling me that that Cain was the first simp? Like Abel was like, dude, she's a hoe, bro. She's a hoe. You don't want anything to do with that. And he's like, no, dude, I can change her. She could be a good girl. She's wifey material. Like Kane was the first simp. <laughs> Have you seen those fangs, bro? Dude, that is unbelievable. So, so we've established now. <laughs> we've established now that uh, Lilith was a super big hoe. And she was into freaky shit. And that's fun that, Lilith, by the way. That's all. We're that all way. talking fun Lilith. And then there's the not fun Lilith that comes soon after all of this. Okay, so she's super mad. Scorned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's scorned. Then we get. Well, now, now every single pregnancy issue, every single thing that might happen to women or children. And this is where it gets weird. And we're not going to get too much in the details, but it's like. Um, I'm, I'm going to make up numbers here because I'm totally off, but it's like the first seven days or something like uh, a young male child can still be under the influence of Lilith. And then once you make it through like a certain passage of time, get I'm making that number up, then it's like you're in the clear and Lilith can't get you. But for little girls, it's like seven times as long. So like they're way more susceptible for, for way longer periods of time. 
and it's because like yeah. Lilith is just being kind of a dick. And there's and this ancient um concept was was called I'm looking up called the arrow of Lilith. And the arrow of Lilith was just a strong pain in the body that was usually associated with miscarriage and deformities in the fetus. And they even called deformed feti the form of Lilith, a female demon with wings and a human face. So if you came out like little bat boy, you know, like the, the dude that uh, Nate saw uh, cured in front of his own eyes, right? When that when you come out of the womb like mm -hmm. that, they would actually refer to that as, oh, the child's in the form of Lilith in, in these old dialects. So again, like, it would be an understatement to not attribute almost anything that can go wrong with childbirth as Lilith specifically. And then on top of that whole like weird fetus mutation thing, it was considered that because Lilith only came during the night and it was not sanctified by God and she wasn't in fully human form. If she did have sex with Adam or anybody else, she flies by and Nate has a wet dream. There's a good chance that later that night she gives birth to like werewolves and demons and like, all kinds of creepy crawly monsters and that that's the source of all monsters is that Lilith comes by, takes your seed and then uses it to create monsters that can never become human. And that's where we get into the Nephilim. That's where we get into Bigfoot. That's where we get into cryptids. To me, yeah, she's the mother of like demon. She's the mother of monster. But can that be bad if she's Bigfoot's mom? Can she really be a bad person? No, dude, and Lilith gives great blowjobs, dude. We've already <laughs> talked about this. Like, she's got a lot of redeeming qualities, is all I'm saying. So, so Lilith is the kind of the original mother of dragons, right? And it's funny because yeah. what you're telling me, uh, it it rings in my mind. I'm like, man, this was an integral part of so many cultures at one point in time, right? And then we kind of lose this information, and then all of a sudden it resurges as or resurfaces as uh, a feminist parade which i just think is funny it's like back in the day they were like no dude lilith shit is bad and then fast forward to western culture and all of a sudden now it's a uh, sort of a, a symbol of something that's good and, and synonymous with women's liberation and things of that nature right it's like talk about um just adopting a a, a shit symbol uh probably should have went elsewhere you know i don't know how long ago this march was but like martha stewart's pretty cool and she probably would have been a better mascot than like, you know, the mother of demons. Uh, but, she you know, they lose information. Right? I don't she know. Definitely she fucked cool. Snoop, right? We all agree with that, right? What's the, that? Oh, that she <laughs> fucked Snoop. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she fucked Snoop. A hundred percent. Yeah. She was embodied by the spirit of Lilith. And uh, and yeah, she 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 rode the dog. Buddy. Yeah, she rode that bone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how do we get into this? Oh, whole, wow. Wow. Um, yippee yippee it, yay. It feels like such a jump. Um, she's a freak. She doesn't want to be in missionary. Uh, Adam doesn't like this. And so God's like, well, fuck her. We didn't need her anyway. And and then all of a sudden she starts birthing demons. You know, For like what? 30 years. Yeah. As, as soon as she gets kicked out and Adam has Eve, then Lilith comes in the, in the night for 130 years and for every single night that she does that, creates more and more monsters and puts them out in the world. Holy crap. And, and then so there's, like a whole, there's a whole thing, too, where they, like, kill the monsters and the demons, and then she gets scorned. She's like, all right, well, for every, like, hundred of my monsters that you kill, I'm going to kill a human child. Yeah. So it's like she ramps up the, uh, the, the infant mortality rate because people are killing off all of her offspring, and she's pissed off about it. Man, that is... Uh really interesting because 
you know, the story of the Nephilim, as as most people know it, is, you know, the fall in uh, having children with the daughters of man uh, and giving birth to what is it? The 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 heroes of old or the heroes of renown. However, the Bible uh, says it. And then, you know, there's extra canonical books like the Book of Enoch. And I think there's even um, uh, is it Jubilee is the Book of the Giants. I'm not really sure of the name, but goes into more detail about it. Um, but this concept of of so is this where you would get giants, right? Giant of Kandahar or people say like Hercules was more than likely what you would consider a Nephilim. But then as far as these creatures go, uh, these hybrid monster creatures, that is that's Lilith, Lilith's doing. Yeah. So so like um, I mentioned Lil were these like fertility and wind gods and stuff. And Gilgamesh was considered to be the the offspring of a Lil. So one of the things that Nate and I have come up with a few times, and I love this theory, and maybe it's shout out to Joel Thomas, Nephilim Portal Babies. Like I can't remember where this came from, but <laughs> if you imagine that like Adam and like just to make it simple, Adam and Eve are like giants, right? They're sixty feet tall, and then they bang. But then you know we're at some point someone else comes along, so they're not like just banging, you know, in breeding. We don't get into that right now, but like someone comes along and then they yeah. they basically breed with someone that's not as much of a giant as they are like a complete normal person like a little you know six foot person with the 60 foot and after that happens yeah. over time people yeah. just gradually get shorter and shorter and shorter until just in practical sense we consider a giant to be you know nine feet tall or something when in reality it might have just been like if you keep breeding great danes with chihuahuas long enough then they all kind of turn into like, you know, like miniature Great Danes. And then people never believe that there was ever such thing as a Great Dane that size of a dog. So there might be some aspect to that. That's the more, uh, you know, realistic approach, I think. I like that. I'm adopting that as something that I believe to be true. <laughs> <laughs> That's now part of uh, uh, my belief system. So how does this uh, get resolved? What happens to Lilith? Because you said that she's she's just popping out monsters for 130 years which is a long time to pop out monsters right well she makes How that deal this... essentially where she says like hey if you keep killing my monsters then i'm gonna just keep on you know killing human children as they come out so there's almost like an agreement that's made uh where it's like okay for every x amount that we kill you can kill this amount and i think in some ways it explains the infanticide but then the the next evolution in the Lilith story i think um is she kind of becomes satan she she becomes like magic and the devil and lucifer and black magic and witchcraft and just yeah. everything all together and when uh michael when um i was gonna say michael jackson michelangelo paints the sistine chapel ceiling when he paints lilith he gives her a half human body and a half snake body she's the first shape-shifting reptilian on top of all this and and she's depicted as coiled around the tree of knowledge so it's basically like saying like lilith she's in, in terms of michelangelo and i i really do think this is like some michelangelo illuminati here's the secret code word if you're paying attention shit it's like lilith is the snake in the in the tree of knowledge but all of this magic and all of like here's how you can ride you know uh adam in the middle of the night and i was created from the same thing as you were equals that's this dangerous knowledge that she represents and gets kind of cast out. And when remember the last thing she did was she says the ineffable name of God, meaning that not only are you not allowed to say it, it's just impossible to say it. Like you will explode if you say it out loud. So she says it out loud and she uh, vanishes. 
Um, so, so as part of that, you know, she basically is representing this knowledge. Like, here's this knowledge that you're not allowed to know the name of God. And the second she says it, she gets cast out just like Adam and Eve. It's almost, if you imagine if they heard the ineffable name of God, they technically also have to get kicked out of the garden because now they know too much. You're not allowed to know, you know, Kaiser Sose's real name, right? Once you know Kaiser Sose's real name, you get kicked out. Man, that is really interesting that that is like a a paradigm shifting component you know what i mean once you start to plug that in you have to start to rethink everything that you uh think that you understand and then you've got to look at everything through through a new context uh you know turning into the first uh shapeshifter is 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 how you described it right well that's how Um, michelangelo depicted her yeah that's really interesting. So what, what do you mean like upper body of a woman, lower body of a snake? Yeah. Um, like she, so she's got a half, a half woman body. And then the bottom part of her is, is a snake. It's a serpent and it's literally coiled around the tree of knowledge. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's, it's really very specific. It's not like, Oh, I wonder what he was going for here. You know what I mean? It's like, she's a snake wrapped around the tree of knowledge in the garden of Eden and previous to that, her story was that she was Adam's first wife and says the name of God and gets kicked out for it. And that's, in my mind, that's that sacred knowledge. The same thing we've talked about Noah before. There's that concept, the, um, what is it, the curse of Ham? Or and how about like a jealous ex-wife corrupting his new wife? You know, get, that, get her out of here, bro. Yeah. Like she can't, like if, if she knows what me and her, like if my new wife knows what me and Lilith used to get up to, this is not yeah. going to work. Get her out of here. <laughs> That whole story about the forbidden fruit, I mean, it could have been Lilith like teaching Eve how to suck a dick. What's the ult the like what's the ultimate forbidden fruit, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I bite this and I know math, or like I bite this and you just get like a world rocking VJ, right? <laughs> <laughs> I bite this and I know math. Uh, it reminds me of Alistair Crowley, right? What was Alistair Crowley like? Obviously, he's into all these dark arts. He's he's almost a poster boy for, for occultism. Uh, but it's this sex magic that he practices. Yep. Right. And, and it's, once you start to think about Lilith in that context, it's like, Oh shit, this is some dark art shit. Like sex magic. Apparently, uh, you know, the act of sex can go either way. It can be this loving engagement, uh, between uh, a husband and a wife, or it can be some mystical, magical, dark arts. Woman. He needed that scarlet woman to bring about, you know, the whore of Babylon to bring about the moon child, you know, that the demon to give birth to a demon. He needed his Lilith. Well, that was the, that's the homunculus. That's when you prepare. And again, like that's, that's the fetus. Lilith is known as the one that causes things to go wrong at childbirth and Crowley's uh, Babylon working the whole ritual is basically you find the right woman and you wait until she's like a month or two into a pregnancy because according to Crowley, the fetus doesn't have a soul at that point. So if you can take the woman out into the middle of the desert, it's like as far away from anywhere as possible. Again, let's go back to Baal Zephyr, right? Like these, these caves in the middle of nowhere um, where it's like windy all the time. You bring a, you bring this fetus out and the woman at that point is just a vessel, right? And inside the woman vessel is another little vessel of this like two month fetus. And it's like the ultimate vessel within a vessel. 
and this attracts God. So if there's wandering demons and wandering spirits out in the middle of this like vast expanse, so if you're in a city, they've got all kinds of options, right? They can jump into like, I don't know, like TVs and Nintendos and people like left and right. Um, but if you're out in the middle of the desert, it's slim pickings. So not only is it slim pickings and the first thing they want to jump into, but if you make the most attractive vessel possible, you know, you roll out and it's like a limo and the red carpet comes out. That's kind of what Crowley's trying to do with the Moonchild. So that essentially would be Lilith, right? Like the God responsible for, for something going wrong during the initial like childbirth. Now, of course, the Crowley, it wasn't just one God, Lilith. It was, you know, under the stars and depending on how you would astrologically align everything but he's pulling on this exact same concept of as above so below just like in in when people were worshiping lilith you'd have the little talismans and you'd wait for the right astrological sign and then you'd like pray with all your might for the gods of the planets to come down and you know get stuck in this little talisman you can bring the talisman into your house and now it kind of like rubs off on you for a little while um so it's sort of that the same concept there you know, it's um, it's just strange because it, it it really is the same. Like the backdrop that is the story of all the fucking paranormal shit that's going on and all the corruption that's going on in the world. You know, so many people look at Elon Musk and Donald Trump and they speculate. I, I do it constantly on this show. This show might as well be called speculation because it's all I fucking do. Uh, but this idea that is Trump the moon child is elon musk the moon child <laughs> all of this shit like literally the, the moon the, child <laughs> yes the players on the world stage right now are directly connected to you know alistair crawley and the 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 what is it the the babylon works was the name of what he was trying to accomplish with the moon child which is directly connected to lilith this extra canonical biblical character that might be fucking the serpent in the garden it's the same fucking story playing out all the way to 2023 right before our fucking eyes and every day we go on twitter and we see another trump thing or we see another elon post and it's like we're looking in this tiny little window all the way back to the fucking garden i just find that uh bizarre you know it's 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 a great story you know what i mean it's it's more entertaining i say it all the time it's more entertaining than anything you're going to get on netflix anytime soon like this is the story <laughs> this long ass story that's been from our you know, conception in the garden all the way forward to right now where Elon Musk is launching dick shaped rockets into the upper atmosphere. And, you know, Donald Trump is trying to fight back for the presidency. It's all the same story. To be fair. I don't know if, if we've discovered any technology that doesn't require a dick shaped object just for the aerodynamic purpose alone. Right? Like you're never going to have a non dick shaped rocket until we've, change the those laws of physics well dude space is fake and <laughs> it gay. is gay so that's why you keep sending dicks you out there right? <laughs> yeah to get in there we're trying to appease space we're like come on we're, we're giving you what you want we know you're fake and we know you're gay this is what you like i just you know the the whole thing with um with crowley and 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 the babylon works and you know, the moon child and, and Lilith and all this shit. It's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a fan of, of Merkel and we're, we're everybody in, in this kind of conspiracy paranormal sphere right now is all kind of on edge for like, what's going on with portals? What's going on with creatures? What's going on with Nephilim? What's going on? And it all seems to be on this giant uptick, you know? So not only do you have the backdrop of these 
political characters uh, and these these, uh, you know, tech influencers and things like that, that all have this sort of biblical connection. But if you take a look at the the paranormal side of things and what's happening on the Internet, because I do think I'm a big fan. I don't know if you guys are aware of um, Nuke's top five. Do you know that guy? Oh, man. Nuke's top five will fuck up your night. Uh, Potentially, it's basically what the guy does is he uh, creates compilations of, you know, the spookiest ghost videos on the Internet or, or, you know, demon sightings and shit like that. And honestly, the thing is, like, 85 percent trash. But then there's this remaining. That's a fucking intimidating uh, look you got going on there. (laughs) Yeah, I just realized that I didn't Uh, didn't have the right light on. Yeah, this is this is the right. This is the right light. Whatever you say from now on looks like it's coming from the from the mouth of a demon. but there's like a remaining 15% of these videos that will send you like the other night I'm sitting there with my wife and I'm watching this video of somebody recording their backyard. And, you know, you kind of get a feel for whether or not people are genuine, genuinely scared or if they're acting and you can tell pretty easily when somebody's got, got a production going on. And then you can tell when somebody just happens to be in their backyard recording with their camera phone because something weird's going on. And there's this fucking like goblin voice in this guy's backyard in the tall grass and it's fucking cackling at him and he's asking it to come out and it's saying no over and over again. And then it's asking him if he wants to play and it's fucking absolutely terrifying. I don't know. remember how the video ends, but there is this, it feels like we're inundated now. Uh, there's a, a really famous video from a guy that was recording in Florida of this. Uh, I think it was in Florida on Facebook live of this translucent. Um, I don't know what, what, what it really looked like. It looked like a big fucking monster running across his backyard. So the guy starts the video and he goes, I'm telling you guys, this is where it was. It was right in the backyard and he gets up and he goes to show people. And suddenly you see this thing run across his backyard. And the way this guy reacts, number one is fucking hilarious uh, because it's like when black people see magic and they run away, it's very much like that kind of a thing that's going on. He starts freaking out and he, uh, he he sees this translucent thing run across his yard, but so do like a hundred people in the live chat. Like a hundred people see this fucking thing too. Everybody starts trying to pull it back and and screen record, and they're talking about it for like another hour after that. And I feel like these things are on the rise. So it's just strange to me that like there's multiple aspects that you can look at right now where everything, like you were saying earlier, somebody took a lot of care to try to make sure that this story survived. And there's probably a really good reason that even though we've gone through cataclysm after cataclysm and cities have fallen and Rome is burned to the ground and all these various, you know, terrible uh, atrocities have happened through the human history, this fucking story remains and it loses a little bit as it moves forward, but there are still these core elements. And now with the extra canonical books, kind of coming back into the mix. And and I, I think they're getting more popular lately. I have the book of Enoch somewhere, although I don't read it. I don't know why the fuck I do that. I buy books and I, I go one day the, the grid's going to go down, right? Like we're going to get an EMP blast and then I'll have plenty of shit to do. But until that That's happens, the real reason. Just, they'll, they'll never let the grid go down because then everyone's going to start reading books and then it's all over. <laughs> exactly. I got a library of forbidden knowledge. That's just not, uh, tempting to me unless you take away Twitter or something like that. And then I'm going to go, maybe I'll fucking read some of that stuff. I have like an 800 page book by Al, uh, Albert Pike. I'm like, I'm never going to read that thing. It need, no, I need an apocalypse in order to read that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Morals and dogma. The thing is like, you know, 10 pounds of book and I flip through it every once in a while. And I'm like, it's fucking cool. Never read a page. 
Uh, so one day when the grid goes down, I'll have shit to read. But we are just our story in life feels so bland. You know, we go through the repetition of like going to work and paying the mortgage and, you know, stomping out fires and fixing things. And but the backdrop to our boring ass lives is like the most tremendous story ever told. Well, I think it has to be. Otherwise, it doesn't survive. So some aspect of that is practical. Like if you don't make it the most interesting story ever, then it's not going to last more than 20 years. You know what I mean? It's going to go away. So it has to kind of be over the top. And it's also like this uh, sunken cost fallacy a little bit where it's like, well, if if all of civilization has been putting everything into this, we might as well just keep that ball rolling if we don't understand why. That's how it's always been done. So that's how we're going to keep doing it. I think there's also an aspect of that. But I also want to know, I don't know if, like obviously things get lost, but I think we might gain more. Like as these gods adapt and turn into new things, they represent stuff that's more practical and relatable to the current people using it. Like if you were, if people were worshiping Lilith now, but they were only basing it on the culture and the period of like ancient Sumeria, you'd like there were she wouldn't represent enough things to actually help us deal with normal, you know, life. And then I also wanted to mention that we mentioned like this uptick and paranormal and stuff, but if you go back historically, we're still far away from how like accepting people were of the paranormal like a hundred years ago or two hundred years ago, like at the height of the spiritualism movement after like the civil war, right? Everyone knew like so many people died in this country. Everyone knew or or was greatly impacted by the death of many family members and friends. So everyone's just surrounded by death for a very long time. And they all kind of turn to spiritualism where like we get together and do podcasts and talk to each other. Or maybe you go out to the bar or whatever. But back then for a good stretch of a half century, like the thing that everyone did in their free time was like summon ghosts, do seances and, and use like knocking boards and talking boards. So, I mean... I would say that as a whole, it seems like society in like the, the late 1800s was probably way more into the paranormal than we are. And even if you go and look at old uh, newspaper articles and magazine articles from 1910, 1920s, they're all talking about Jupiter and Kronos and Baal and Moloch and Bacchus and, you know, all of these ancient gods and, and you know, the Phoenicians, they, they would still kind of do some of these mock things. And then, you know, as soon as the over time you get into like the 40s and 50s golden age and conservatism, like all that gets thrown out the window. So, I mean, that literally 100 years ago, people were like marching around with like a big effigy of Moloch in the streets and worshiping him. And that was just like, oh, is it Thursday already? Oh, you're crazy. You know what I mean? But if you did that today, you know, people will be losing their shit. Yeah, we we don't have context for it now. So maybe that's maybe you're right. It's like these things, they don't even necessarily have to be on an uptick. It's just that when you see them, when they pierce the veil of like your super average person's life, uh, it's like world shaking. Whereas if you had a paranormal experience in the 20s, you'd be like, that's just fucking Moloch, dude. It's no big. That's just it's just Lilith shit. This is regular everyday, you know, normal occurrences. But since we don't have we've kind of lost that right, that spirituality, especially in the West, uh, and just because you don't have the teachings and just because you lean more towards a conservative worldview doesn't mean that these things stop happening. And so they're continuing to happen, but we have no frame of reference and we're not, we're certainly not armed to deal with them. Right. Like I, I told you, I'll invoke like the name of Christ. I don't have other uh, recourse, you know, like what do I, what do I do? I don't want to start 
Um, I'm not going to get a Ouija board. I, the whole burning sage <laughs> thing is just like, I don't like, there's chicks with, you know, crystals and armpit hair that are like burn the sage in your house. I don't want to fucking burn the sage in my, until you shave your armpit hair. I'm not going to listen to you about what I should do about the spirits, but that's the only people that we really have, unless you're going to, you know, podcasters, I guess. Um, the only people that you have that are, what would you call them? Chaperones to the spiritual realm are <laughs> chicks with armpit hair. And, and, you know, I don't want to listen to them. And I, I don't, I'm sorry, ma'am, but I don't think that you are equipped to arm me against this, the, the forces of darkness. All right. I don't want to. And if you are, I'm going to feel real fucking bad about myself. Like if I listen to you, even though you haven't shaved your legs in three years and it fucking works, I'm going to have some real soul searching to do. Like, what am I doing wrong? You because just thought, this all right, Lilith, like how, how good's your BJ work? Let's, let's see. <laughs> they don't know how magical you are. <laughs> You know, it's funny what you said. It's just that, like, we don't have the context anymore, and we don't have that, like, especially in this Westernized society that we live in. But to me, I think that that's on purpose. And I and I go back to like the elites occulting this sort of shit because you see things where, like, man, I, I'm trying to remember where the fuck this was. I think this was like in fucking Germany or uh, like Switzerland. They built this fucking bridge, and like, there's a video of it. Uh, this happened like what five years ago thomas you know what i'm talking about where they like built this new fucking bridge and it was like a group of like uh government officials and they like they did like a he did some fucking ceremony for the opening of this fucking bridge and yeah, i know what you're talking about do this crazy weird fucking ritual like to me it's like the elite they still practice this shit they still have knowledge of this shit they still know this shit and they almost want us to know nothing about it to me, it's like it, like when you say we have no context, I'm like, that's because of the fucking school is the schooling that we've gotten. That's you, also like the occulting and uh, like manipulation of like the majority of the churches. Like, I think the majority of the churches hide that shit from you. I think Catholicism and, and, and the majority of like evangelical Christians and things like like they they hide those that, that, that they call it spooky shit. They call it evil. They call it, you know, and they don't want you to fucking know anything about those sort of things. Like when I talk to my wife about like different like symbols and things, she's like, that's just evil. And I'm like, and I, I was having those conversations with her. I'm just like, well, maybe like maybe some of those symbols represent evil, but like, I don't think they always did. And I think that like the church will like, they they don't want you to know what these symbols mean. They don't want you to know what the power behind them are. They don't want you to know the story. Like, why are those books not canonical? Why are some of these stories, you know, to me, it's like they oh, weren't. That's some Gnostic goober talk now. There we go, man. This is when they'll start calling me a Gnostic goober again. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, I, I think that these... um you can look at it through the lens of like, these books are coming back for a reason. Yeah. You know, who am I to say that these books are definitively good or definitively bad. And just because I read something doesn't mean that I have to internalize it and believe it and, and incorporate it into my worldview. It's just information to consider. Like I said, I've, I've been a conspiracy theorist, uh, for, for 16 years and everything is just information driven. And I, I will admit it is hard to sink your teeth into a book and not be swayed. And maybe that's part of the problem, right? It's like, I can watch a show or I can watch a movie or I can watch a documentary and I can consider the point of view. But if you read a book, it's like the, I would say the the highest way outside of like, you know, those videos where people will 
put on headphones and they'll listen to indoctrination shit while they sleep. And that's how you like brainwash somebody. I don't know how, if that actually works, but outside of that, that is the most impactful way, uh, is that psychic driving you're talking about? What's that? <laughs> psychic driving where they like, uh, yeah, like yeah, that's what it's called. That is where they're like, you're a homo, you're Pop a homo, you're a homo, and... you're a homo, you're a homo, you're a homo, yeah. you're a homo, you're a homo. Exactly. I'm going to play that on loop uh, while I go to sleep <laughs> and we'll see what happens in the morning. Uh, but, you know, they're or pounding Bud Lights when you wake up. <laughs> Just surrounded by Bud Lights. <laughs> I had this dream that there was this succubus riding me on top. I wanted her to get off. She wouldn't get off. And I woke up, I was just surrounded in butt lights. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that maybe that is, uh, that, that is something to be careful of because I'm, I'm one of those people when, when I do read, I get lost in it. And you know, it's so imagination driven. You're envisioning everything that the person's saying. And maybe there's a, a, a deeper level to that. Maybe it is dangerous. Uh, but I think you just keep that in mind. Like don't take this for, uh, you know, pardon the pun, but don't take it as gospel. Just read it and consider it and see how it fits into the bigger picture. Because honestly, this Lilith thing, uh, it just fits into, I always say on the show, my job here is I'm just assembling a jigsaw puzzle and I'm, I'm taking the audience along for the ride. And what I try to do is have guests on that can uh, bring me a new subsection of the puzzle and we can see how it fits and if it starts to make a bigger picture and i think the lilith thing fits pretty compellingly it starts to create a, a picture where it, things just click together uh uh too well and honestly i don't think i'm gonna let it go because lilith shit that's 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 my new jam now i'm throwing that all over fuck every time i see somebody doing some ho shit in the streets you ever see like those riots where like it's a bunch of chicks and they're like twerking on an ambulance like that's fucking lilith shit dude that is, uh, that's a hundred percent Lilith shit. That's the the disembodied spirit of Lilith, uh, uh, fucking inhabiting just poor hoes in the streets, creating monsters. Uh, so, yeah, creating the monsters. Epitome, dude, the epitome to me of like Lilith shit. There was a music video that came out, oh, man, and I and I can't remember the artist's name, but it was a song where there's these two ghetto black girls, and the song goes, "I got murder on my mind, mama, murder on my oh, mind." Oh, like Planned Parenthood. <laughs> the Planned Parenthood. She's sitting there talking about like, I ain't gonna let a little N word grow inside of me, and she's like <laughs> talking about like just straight getting abortions. <laughs> I got murder on my mind, and she's rapping it, uh, dancing on top of the car, shaking her ass. It's in not. Front of the Planned Parenthood. It's better it's than amazing. it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> what are you telling me? It sounds amazing, dude. I'm a hundred percent. That's my next tweet. Is I'm pulling that yeah. up. I'm I'm finding that video and I'm tweeting that out. That's that's fucking that's that's Lilith shit now. Man. That's some Lilith shit, doggy. That's some Lilith shit uh, for sure. And again, the, the perpetual maiden. So if you're if you're just always making sure that you you can't summon a moonchild, right? Then you're the perpetual maiden. You are literally Lilith. Oh, you're the. And all of a sudden, of you just have empty wine bottles, uh, a fucked up uterus, a bunch of cats, uh, some thick fucking rim glasses, and you just hate everything. Dude, that's well, funny, that, right? Because now you're talking about the crone version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the archetype that all of a sudden is being celebrated, right? It's uh, what's this bitch's name? The fucking unfunny comedian. Um, all of them. It. Every one of she them. Yeah. <laughs> no, she fucked Fifty Cent. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, Chelsea yeah, Handler. Chelsea Handler. You Chelsea could also Hand insert Sarah Silverman. Or any of those. <laughs> yeah, they're embodied by the spirit of Lilith, and they're trying to convince you that like 
Childbearing is not for you. Having a family is not for you. Living a life of perpetual sin, drinking wine and 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 popping Xanax at you know two in the afternoon, and then uh, going skiing with your tits out—that's the way. And that that is certified Lilith shit. Yep. Yep. Well, listen, guys, we just hit the hour and a half mark, and I do have to cut this one short. Um, I, I, I want to ask you, though. I'm, you know what? I'll, I'll ask you off air, uh, uh, so we'll get to wrapping this. Is there anything that you'd like to uh, say on the topic of, of history's biggest hoe? I don't know, man. Did you want to hear that succubus story real fast? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. So this is not firsthand, unfortunately. It's secondhand. So I'm probably, I think I'm about 10 to 12 years old, somewhere around there. And I'm at summer camp and I'm at a hardcore Christian summer camp. Like, like again, praying in tongues, casting out demons kind of summer camp. This is like where we all go. And uh, our cabin hosts or whatever you fucking, what, what do you call that, Thomas? Like, it, it, like camp counselor, I guess, but the dude that's like in your fucking cabin with you. It's too... It's two uh, twin brothers. They're chaperones. Chaperones. Call them chaperones. So they're probably, at this point, they're probably like 19, right? And so we're all like 12, and they're in charge of the cabin. And they're telling us their testimony, right? And how they had been like hardcore, like like Satanists and stuff. And they were telling us a story. And they had been like trying to cast a demon. And all of a sudden... They like both of the brothers are sitting there. They'd been sitting kind of like a, like a salt circle and a pentagram and stuff like that. And like trying to like cast demons and things. And, uh, this fucking, they, they manifested a succubus and it, they're describing this woman. And she has like the absolute perfect hourglass, dude, like big, fat, perfect, like symmetrical, round, voluptuous titties, dude. And a thin waist. This chick was not a fat pig, but she had like fat in all the right places, right? And she had a big fat ass, sweet dumper. And she's just looking at him, dude. And and I'm trying to remember exactly what she looked like because she might have had like she almost was like a like a Medusa because I think she almost had like kind of like serpent like kind of hair, and then she had a, jet a, a little black energy. eyes. Mm-hmm. She had jet black eyes, and. And she like comes to him and they're like, oh, fuck, yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure they, they I think they sit there. They're like kind of double teaming her and they're kind of they're sitting there. They're having sex with her. And they were like, it was the most intense, the most pleasurable. And they're sitting there describing this to like a room, like a cabin full of boys, like sitting there describing fucking a demon. And so they're sitting there trying like describing it. And then they kind of they kind of like look at her. And they kind of see like her face kind of change a little bit. And they kind of realize like, oh, wait, like this isn't the most beautiful, sexy thing. This is almost like an evil kind of like, oh, they kind of got her crone face a little bit too. Like, but they're also like mid fucking, you know what I mean? So they're like mid coitus. And so they were like, no, we can't do this. And so like they called out upon, like the, upon the name of Jesus and this thing. And so this to me, like Thomas, you're talking about the screech. You're talking about the banshee. She lets out this scream. She goes, ah! and like lets out this scream. And he says that you could you could see like the sound waves and you could feel it when it hit you. Like he said, it was like, but you couldn't hear it, but you could feel it. Uh, and it just like, like threw him. And then she disappeared. And they they changed their life and they turned to Christ after that. And somehow 
and other, they became our camp counselors and stuff like that. Um, but hearing this story as like a fat little horny beaner, like as a kid, I was then just like running around, like saying anything I could trying to get a demon to suck my dick <laughs> for fucking years, dude. I was like, why can't I get a succubus to blow me? What the fuck is going on? Anyways, oh I, I don't know the validity, validity of that story, but it's Zero. fucking fantastic. <laughs> and this is something that I grew up in thinking that could absolutely happen. That if you did it the right way, she would come and fuck you. I just love that's how susceptible we are, though, right? As like when we're real young, you know, you could say all this stuff about this demon and, and her face transforming and her hair is like snakes. And, you know, Jesus had to come and save you. But like the main part was like, how voluptuous were the titties? What are we, how yeah, are we talking? Like, her, is this like an eight pounder? Is this 16 pounds worth of titties? Like, what are we talking about here? Go back so to can that. I part. Ask, the, the story that your camp counselor tells you about getting banged by a succubus, is that better or worse for children than if it was just like, you know, a drag queen came and read you a book about well, a caterpillar. Dude, all I know is that if they had been in a dress, it would be a sin. Right. That would be some Nephilim <laughs> But the fact that they weren't in a dress, then it's all kosher. <laughs> that's it. They were dude, warning what is... us about Lilith. They were giving us a story about, because that's the whole crux to a testimony. Look, I did all of these awful, I did dirt. But now, now we can worship Jesus together. Is it just like a humble so, brag? Like, yo, check out this crazy shit. Oh, but you know, yeah. see, you're you're the guy now. Yeah. But like, wasn't that a badass story, bro? <laughs> you know? Dude, those titties though. Damn titties <laughs> though. 18 pounds worth of titties. You know, part of me is considering sending my kid to a Pentecostal uh 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 summer camp just because to come away with with stories like that, you know. I mean, just you started the story by like, you know. They show up, they cast out demons. So these guys are sitting in a salt circle and they're getting ready to catch. That's the type of shit that goes down at, at summer camp is, is they, they show up ready for, that's like spiritual war camp. That's not a summer camp. Buddy, that's like, I was literally taught spiritual warfare from the time I could walk. That's what they, absolutely what they would call it. Like, yes, uh, we are in a spiritual battle and the battle is not in flesh and blood. It is all in spirit. That is exactly what I was taught. Well, you know, that's really not that bad. I'm glad to hear that somebody is out there arming children against uh, Lilith shit, especially, you know, mm -hmm. young children, young, impressionable children. You got to teach them how to fight back against, I guess, essentially wet dreams, right? Based off of the whole, she comes in the night, so do you, and then she she births Well, yeah, you know, if you get a wet dream, you have to write uh, like a whole poem on like a plate and then bury it underground. That's the only way to to fight back against that. Burning. Wait a second. We're about to wrap up the show. You got to arm people better than that. What do you, you just grab a plate and you just- It's say, called an hey, incantation Lilith. bowl. So you take a plate, you draw Lilith in the middle of the plate, and you basically say, Lilith, stop tempting me. Lilith, stop tempting me. And as you write that out, you draw in like a spiral, like almost as if it would hypnotize you if you were to try to read it. And that's you talking directly to her, trying to hypnotize her into taking your message. And you basically bury that like under your front door which again, when we talk about like Lilith being like some of the original instances of folk magic, this whole concept of like burying like and making a barrier around yourself. Nate mentioned the salt, right? The salt is kind of the same thing. It's like a protective barrier that you put around yourself to keep things out or in. It's exactly what these incantation bowls of Lilith were. It was like, if I bury this plate under my, you know, under my front door, then she won't come in. 
you know, because she's not invited. Again, like vampire lore. Again, all monsters, in my opinion, go back to Lilith. Every single one of them does. So if there's one thing to take away from this episode, men to the to the and it's predominantly men that listen to this show, although I, I do believe I have a decent amount of women. We just upset them. Uh, but protect yourself, steal yourself against the number one threat to humanity. Ho shit. You have to protect yourself against ho shit. I mean, you you look throughout history and evil women have been the downfall of so many of the great historical men. Uh, and it seems that these women were maybe just the disembodied spirit of Lilith fucking shit up throughout history. I'm, I'm willing to go with that. That's actually my new... I'm accepting that as my new paradigm. That's the lens that I look at uh, life through from now on. So every time I see Cardi B, I know exactly what the fuck I'm looking Cardi at. B I'm not looking at Cardi shit, B. For sure. Doja Cat's trying. She's a try hard. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't I wouldn't too flippantly use Lilith as like a derogatory term to like, let, let's say you were just trying to make fun of Cardi B and call her a whore. If you also call her Lilith, though, you're saying that Cardi B is able to speak the ineffable name of God, which is still reserved for a different class of, you know, of like beings than, you know, just your typical ho shit being like, like the, the ultimate Queen B ho shit, right? Like if you're Iceberg Slim, like this is your your queen bitch, which is not the Beyonce. same as your bottom bitch. Beyonce is is on Lilith shit. That bitch is like, you know, mother of darkness, fucking think, full body Beyonce shit. rides on top always. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's why if you look at uh, uh, Jay Z, he's just becoming like stranger and more and more retarded as time goes forward. He used to be like a really normal kind of dude, and now he's like, you know, kind of. I would blame more of that on uh, Marina Abramovic than uh... that was the, that, that that is some Lilith. That's a hundred percent Lilith shit. That right yeah. there is. Oh, yeah. that's, there you go, bro. That's the real Lilith. Definitional. Stuff. Well, listen, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for uh, for the, the 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 class on uh, on Lilith. It was a genuine pleasure. Uh, one last time for the audience. Tell everybody where they can find you. Realitiesars at gmail.com. If you want to send us some love mail, some hate mail, some dick pics or any of that fun stuff, um, hit us up. Yeah. And Thomas, paranoidamerican.com. That, I mean, yeah, that's it, man. Paranoidamerican.com. I've got all sorts of comic books and coloring books and towards the end of this year man 2023 uh i'll have a game on steam pretty soon that's called lucifer lives in lower manhattan that goes all into this lilith shit dude thomas is so fucking cool he's got all the fun shit go check out paranoidamerican.com anything you're looking for he's got it and even if you're not looking for it i got that too that's fucking awesome video i'm 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 definitely gonna uh look into that what's the game called it's called Lucifer Lives in Lower Manhattan, and it'll be on Steam by December of this year. I've been working on it for like two years now. That is fucking awesome. Uh, so, guys, go and check out those uh, those links. Check out their work. And uh, to the audience, thank you for tuning in to The Raven's Watch. And until next time, have a good night. <laughs>